Welcome to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. When Apple eventually launched that first generation iPhone, they did so with the slogan, this changes everything. Not this changes most things, not even this changes everything about mobile phones. No, this changes everything. It was brilliant, and it was true. Editors of Time Magazine have recently named the iPhone as the single most influential gadget of all time. Now, it wasn't long after the iPhone was released that the Android was released, thus beginning the spread of the smartphone throughout the world. In 2011, 35% of Americans owned a smartphone. Fast forward to 2019, that number's up to 81%. 81% of Americans in 2019 own a smartphone. Even more, 96% of 18 to 29-year-olds own a smartphone. It's not just that we own them, right? We depend on them. I I overheard a conversation the other day, and one person said to the other, I need my phone. I don't know what I would do without it. Now, of course, that's a stretch, right? It's an exaggeration. But I think it captures, if I'm really honest, honestly, honest, honestly, if I'm really honest, it captures something about my own heart. Uh, I, I think sometimes that I need my phone. It captures the sentiment that I think we have. We can't live without it. Maybe you aren't ready to admit that. Maybe this will help prove the point. Jacob Weisberg, author, wrote a book called We Are Hopelessly Hooked. He says that research shows that on average, you and I check our smartphones every 4.3 minutes. Every 4.3 minutes. To put that into context, that means in the next 30 minutes of this sermon, Many of us, statistically, will check our phones almost seven times. Now, I'm not saying that to give you a guilt trip. I'm really not. I'm just pointing out what research seems to show is obvious. This era, the smartphone era, it's the air that we breathe. What didn't exist a little over a decade ago is now the new normal. It's our new normal. We, we, we can't imagine sometimes living without our phones, We constantly feel the need to look at, to text, to click, to scroll, to post, to browse, not just here and there, but all day long. In the morning when we get up, while we're eating, on our way to class, in class, at the gym, on our way home, while we're eating dinner, before we go to bed, sometimes in the middle of the night when we can't sleep. We're always on our phones, aren't we? And for all sorts of good reasons, hear me say this, all sorts of good reasons to be on our phones. I mean, one being the instant access to information that our phones give us. I mean, it really is amazing if you stop to think about it. Our ancestors, what did they do to get information? They, They collected artifacts and studied them. Now you and I say, hey, Siri. Our parents, they used libraries and encyclopedias and newspapers. Now we just pull out our phones and Google it. 
I was thinking about it this morning. I have, a, I have an app on my phone called Dark Sky. It will tell me down to the minute when it's going to rain. At least it's supposed to do that. I have a podcast player, just like you, that gives me instant access to thousands of different podcasts. I have a GPS that helps me get around unfamiliar places. I have a health app that, that monitors my heart rate and it counts my steps. I have Bible software that gives me access to many, many, many different Bible translations in an instant. I can do all sorts of things on my phone. I can access bank accounts. I can watch videos. I can rent an apartment in Tokyo. I can learn a different language. I can find out what albums dropped this week. I can surf the internet. I can read a book, all with a few swipes on my phone. I mean, it really is amazing if we think about it. And not only do we have instant access to information because of our phones, our phones constantly keep us connected to other people. Our social media gives us a platform to, to give and receive life updates. Snapchat allows us to constantly stay connected to our friends. Texting makes communication a breeze. Cameras give us the ability to capture our fun memories. Alex Moore really wanted me to say memes, but I didn't think I could pull it off. With our, <laughs> I guess I can't really say that after the fact, can I? See, with our phones, we, we easily make plans. We, we tell others what we're doing. We check on friends and families. We talk to people across the world. The, the instant access to information and the ability to connect with people from the convenience of the touchscreens on our phones is unprecedented in human history. It's never been more easy to get information. It's never been easier to connect with other people. Smartphones are incredible devices that we need to praise God for. And yet, and yet, all of the current research points to the reality that our phones aren't actually making us any smarter. They're not making us feel any more connected. See, in spite of that in unlimited access to information that we have, our phones aren't making us smarter. Research says that they're actually making us more distracted. According to a, a study, uh, according to the New York Times, Microsoft did a study in 2000. Um, it was a study on human brain activity, and in particular, trying to find out human attention span. And what they found in 2000 is that the average attention span of, of human beings is about 12 seconds. Now, fast forward 15 years, 2015, that number has dropped from 12 to 8. Now, in 2019, researchers say that our, our average attention span is 7 seconds. Again, for comparison, researchers are quick to point out that the attention span of a goldfish is 8. So what that means, if it's true, if you believe the research, that, that you and I have a lower attention span than a goldfish. Now, regardless of whether you believe that or not, uh, maybe the jury's still out, I, I doubt, I doubt that any of us in here would deny that our phones are a constant distraction. I mean, I think even Apple knows this, right? They, they come out with the ability to, to, to limit ourselves, our, to limit our screen time. I mean, in some sense, Apple knows that, that we, can't, we need to be saved from ourselves, and so they come up with a way to limit our screen time. Phones distract us from, from school. They distract us from work. In 2016, it was reported that the average college student spends 20% of class time, 20% of class time on a digital device doing things completely unrelated to class, right? 20%. Actually, I bet that number's a lot higher if we're really honest. <laughs> See, we're so attached to our phones, even in class, that, that developers have to come up with apps like Pocket Points to reward us 
for staying off our phones in class and for not driving with our phones, right? Not texting and driving. Think about that for a second. You and I have to be rewarded. We have to get discounts on coffee and restaurants and free Chick-fil-A and whatever else we get. We have to be rewarded to not text and drive, to not pull out our phone during class. We have to be rewarded in order to put our phone down. Phones distract us from people. Walk into a crowded room. We've all done it. We've all seen it. What do we see? A bunch of people staring at their phones, right? Sitting in a meeting, at lunch, at dinner, hanging out with friends. And and what's sitting out there on the table? Our phones. Telling people we're kind of in, but, you know, if something more interested or something more important comes along, we're ready to check out when we need to. Phones also distract us from discomfort. We see someone, I used to do this all the time, we, we see someone walking to class that we don't really want to talk to, and so what do we do? Pull out my phone, right? Or maybe put my headphones in. We're sitting at a stoplight, I do this all the time too. I hate the silence, right? What do we do? Got to check my email. It's like 30 seconds, I'm at a stoplight, and I have to look at my phone. Awkward silence in a conversation, a group of people, awkward silence. Pull out my phone, I'm bored, what do I do? Pull out my phone. Right? We all do it. I for sure do it. Ask my wife. She gets mad at me. But phones don't just distract us from school, from work, from, from people, from discomfort. They distract us from God. Our phones distract us from God. They're a constant distraction in our lives. Blaise Pascal, he's a 17th century mathematician, philosopher, theologian. He once said this. I think it's pretty insightful. He said, I have discovered, I have discovered that all the unhappiness of men and women arises from one single fact. One single fact. They cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. See, Blaise Pascal in the 17th century knew that silence, self-reflection, isolation, it's unbearable for us. It's unbearable, even now. But now we can pull out our phones. Hardly a philosopher or theologian, and certainly not a great dude, uh, is comedian Louis C.K. Louis, I think is his name, not Louis. I, I went back and forth all day. Louis, I'm going with Louis. Louis C.K. He, he says something that I think is really important. I know he's not a great guy, but he says something that's really, really insightful. Let's watch this clip. The thing is, I, you need to build an ability to just be yourself and not be doing something. That's what the phones yes. are taking away, yes. is the ability to just sit there. Like this. That's being a person, right? Yes. No one can, they've got to, uh, you got to check. Because, you know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> that, yes. Yes. Yes, I, yes. Yes, Just I know that, what you're that talking knowledge about. that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it, you're in your car and you start going, oh, no, here it comes that I am alone. Like it starts to visit on you. You know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it. And so you're driving and then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of people driving are texting. Yes. And they're killing, everybody's murdering each other with their cars. Yes. But people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own because they don't want to be alone for a second because it's so hard. It's interesting, isn't it? 
I mean, he, 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 says, he says this. He says, underneath everything in our life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty is what he calls it. Underneath everything in our life, there's that empty, that, that, that forever empty. See, Louis C.K. knows that we're not just distracted, we're lonely. We're lonely. Adults in the United States, we're twice as likely to say that we're lonely than just a decade ago. One major U.S. study found that 20% of Americans, nearly 60 million people, say they're unhappy with their lives because of loneliness. One out of every five of us in this room is lonely. It's a video I saw the other day on YouTube. I can't keep showing you videos, so I've got to tell you about this one. Uh, maybe you've seen it. I think it went viral. It's a homeless guy, and, and he's sleeping on a sidewalk against a fence. And um, while he's sleeping, a, another man walks up to him, and um, the homeless guy kind of wakes up, startled, a little bit defensive, uh, like kind of, what are you doing? And the guy reaches out, and he hands him some money introduces himself, they start talking for a bit. And then, and then the homeless man, he, he does something kind of interesting. He, he's got a kind of a torn up bag on the ground. He grabs it and he says, hey, wait, 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 just a minute, wait right here. Um, and the guy's kind of like, what? I mean, what are you doing? He's like, just wait right here, I'm gonna leave, I'll be right back. And, and the guy's kind of like, okay. So he takes the money and he goes. The homeless guy, a few minutes later, he comes back. And when he comes back, he's carrying a plastic bag and he's carrying uh, two styrofoam boxes. Two styrofoam boxes because he used the money that the other man gave him to buy two, two dinners, one for himself and one to share. And, and as the video goes on, he, he asks the man, he says, hey, will you just sit and eat with me? Will you just sit and eat with me? He could have taken the money and ran or walked or gone somewhere else, but he goes and gets food and he brings it back and he says, hey, would you sit and eat with me? He sits down and they start talking and, and as the conversation goes, if you're wondering how we see all this, there, there's a hidden camera going on. Um, but as they're, they're sitting there talking, the, the homeless guy, he says, hey, I'm so glad that you're here with me. It's lonely out here. People walk by, they ignore me, they could care less if I was dead or alive. It's just really great to sit here with someone. It's a moving video. I mean, it really is. It's, it's moving, and, and obviously it's, it's shining a light, I think, on homelessness and, and, and many other things. But, but I think it's also moving because, among many things, it shows that, that as fundamental to human life as money and as fundamental to human life as food and shelter is human friendship, is connection. I mean, that homeless man, he just wanted a friend. He just wanted to connect. And of course he did, because God created him to do that. God created us to connect with other people. Genesis chapter 2, God has created the world. He's created everything in the world, and he looks at all that he's created, and he says, it's good. Then he goes a step further, and he says, it's very good. But then we get to Genesis 2, verse 18, and we see before sin has entered into the world, something isn't good. Something isn't good. Look at what we read in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good, it is not good that the man should be alone. It's not good, God says, for the man to be alone. It's not good that we feel alone. It's not good. 
See, smartphones promise to cure the epidemic of loneliness by giving us the ability to connect to, to each other anywhere all the time, but instead, we're lonely. In spite of the apps that we've downloaded, the number of followers we have, the, the posts we've made, the retweets and, and likes we've gotten, the snap streaks we have going, statistically, we feel lonelier than we ever have as we stare at the glowing lights of our digital screens. We're around all these people, but we're lonely. We're lonely in a digital crowd. And because we're lonely, we, we look and we stare longer, Right? We scroll more, we browse more, we text more, we post more, we turn to our phones more. Why? Because we so badly want to be affirmed by other people. We just want to know someone cares. We want to be accepted. We want to be seen. We want to know that we're not invisible. We just want to know that we matter to someone. You see, I think our phones, I think part of why we're so attached to them, part of why we spend so much time on them, they flatter us. Our phones flatter us because they convince us that someone, or maybe more appropriately, something actually cares about us. It's why we keep our phones close. It's why they're always in our pockets or within arm's reach or on our nightstands, on our tables, on our desks. It's why we anticipate notification. It's why we hope for alerts. It's why we uh, welcome the distractions. It's why we willingly jump into the hamster wheel of digital conversations every single day. All as an attempt to know and be known. All as an attempt to be connected. All as an attempt to feel better about ourselves. But you've been playing the game long enough to know, right? That this doesn't work. That it doesn't last. That, That dopamine burst that we all get, we've all been told about dopamine, we know that when that notification comes through and we get that moment of excitement, it fades. It eventually fades and it leaves us wanting more. And more, and more, and more. So what do we do? I mean, if that's true, what do we do? I think the real question is, how do we live faithfully as Christians in the, in the smartphone era? There are a lot of things that we could say. Lots of people have weighed in on this issue. I'll just give a few. Here are a few. How are we faithful? First, I think we turn from lesser treasures. Turn from lesser treasures. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is teaching, uh, he's teaching people and he's teaching in parables. And this is what he says in, in, in Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven, he's kind of talking about himself, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. See, I think many of us know that we don't feel okay. I think Louis C.K. is right. I think he knows that 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 we kind of feel that forever empty. And because of that, we look for something to make us feel better. We're looking for something to make us feel better. What are you looking for? What's your treasure? See, I think if we're gonna live faithfully in the smartphone era, then we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with other people about what we're looking for from our phones. Why do we spend so much time in them? Why does it seem like we need them? Why is it so hard to leave them behind? Now, of course, I'm not saying that we need to get rid of our phones. Like, if you hear me saying that, please hear me say this. I'm not telling you to get rid of your phones. But what I am saying is that Jesus had the audacity to claim that he's the far better treasure that all of us are looking for. 
See, whether we know it or not, Jesus is the satisfaction of our hearts. Jesus is the satisfaction that our hearts long for. He's, Jesus is the object of our deepest longings. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Not our phones. I know it sounds silly. It sounds silly almost saying it, but, but sometimes we don't live that way. See, sometimes our habits say more about our beliefs than our words. What do your phone habits say about your beliefs? What do your phone habits say about your beliefs? What do your phone habits say about what you treasure? See, if we're going to live faithfully in the smartphone era, then I think we have to turn from lesser treasures and turn to Jesus. Which brings me to the second point. We have to intentionally, this isn't rocket science, I'm not pretending that it is, but second point, we have to intentionally create space in our day to be with God. We have to intentionally create space in our day to be with God. Luke chapter five, let me set up the scene. Jesus has just healed a man with leprosy. Just healed a man with leprosy, and he says to him, he says, hey, don't tell anyone. We pick up in verse 15. Hey, don't tell anyone. Yet, the news about Jesus spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So, so to kind of put it in, in contemporary terms, Jesus is blowing up, right? He's getting more likes. He's getting more followers by the minute. But even Jesus has limits. Even Jesus has limits. He withdraws. He, he moves past the distractions to sit, to be alone with God. Tim Keller, pastor, former pastor, author, you know him, uh, he was once asked online, hey, what do you think is, why do you think young Christians struggle most deeply with God as a personal reality in their lives? This is what Keller said, noise and distraction. It's easier to tweet than pray. It's easier to tweet than pray. See, the more distracted that we are digitally, the more displaced we become spiritually. The more distracted we are digitally, the more displaced we are spiritually. See, if we want to live faithfully in the smartphone era, then we're going, to have, we're going to have to intentionally create space in our day to be with God. When Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders of his day, hey, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing that I do? What did, what did Jesus say? You remember, right? He says, love your God, uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's the greatest commandment, Jesus says. But how do we do that? How do we, how do we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? See, when Jesus, is, is, when, when Jesus answered that religious leader, he's, what he's doing is he's quoting Moses from the book of Deuteron- Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6. How do we love God? Look, look at what it says. Deuteronomy 6, picking up in verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them on symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, so, so according to God, part of how we love him, not the only way we love him, but part of how we love him is by teaching other people about him, by talking about him. When? Always, apparently, everywhere. When we're sitting at home, when we're walking around, when we're lying down, when we get up. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot 
like when we get on our phones, doesn't it? When we're sitting at home, when we're walking around, when we're lying down, when we're getting up, first thing, if you're like me. See, if you want Jesus, if we want Jesus to be our greatest treasure, then we're going to have to intentionally create space in our day to be with him, to study his word, to, to sit and to pray, to confess and repent of our sins, to reflect and learn and grow. But that's not easy. It's not easy. It takes work because it's easier to tweet than it is to pray, right? Gospel of Luke, Jesus is visiting the, the home of two women, two sisters, one of the sisters, we're told, uh, sits at Jesus' feet and listens to all that Jesus has to say. The other, she's busy. She's, she's doing all these things. She's, she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's preparing the house, what, what needs to be done for the guests. And as she's doing all of this, she gets frustrated. She gets mad and she goes to Jesus and says, why don't you care? I'm doing all of this stuff and she is just sitting there at your feet listening to you talk. This is what Jesus says, Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Few things are needed, Jesus says. Indeed, only one. Only one. Are you creating space in your day to be with him? to sit at his feet, to listen, to pray, to grow in your relationship with him? Or if you're honest, are you too busy, too distracted by your phone? I, I find it interesting, 2010, just after Apple released the iPad, uh, a reporter asked Steve Jobs, he said, hey, your kids must love this thing, right? What did Jobs say? He said, actually, they haven't used it. Why? Well, we limit how much technology our kids use at home. Steve Jobs, we limit how much technology our kids use at home. Maybe it's time that you and I give ourselves limits to intentionally create space in our day to be with Jesus. Third thing, last thing. If we want to live faithfully in the smartphone era, then we need to subvert the myth that our phone is telling us. We need to subvert the myth that our phone is telling us. Author Trevin Wax, he says this. I think it's really good. He says, the primary myth the smartphone tells you every day is that you are the center of the universe. If your phone is your world and if the settings and apps are tailored to you and your interests, then, then with you at all times is a world that revolves around you. Nothing else makes us feel more in control, more godlike, more knowledgeable, more connected. See, to, to be in control, to have more knowledge, to be like God, that was the same temptation that, that Satan gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, this is what Satan is saying to the woman. He says, for God knows, for God knows that when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, and you will know good and evil. So go ahead, Satan says, eat it. And they do. They disobey God, they eat. See, our phones, they, they tempt us 
They tempt us into thinking that, that we can have more control, that we can have more knowledge, more connection, that, that we can be more like God in that regard. They lure us into believing that, that we are the center of the universe, that everything revolves around us. But rather than just getting rid of them, rather than just getting rid of our phones, what if we turned them into a device not that that tells us that the world revolves around us, but what if we turned it into a device that often reminds us how big the world actually is and how small we really are? See, what if on our phones we were more mindful of the content we were digesting? What if we read things, not just things that we agree with? What if we listen to things, not just things that we like, but sometimes things that we disagree with, just to get outside of our bubbles, to get the perspective of someone different than us? What, what if we did that? What if rather than, than just promoting ourselves on social media, we use social media to care for other people? How? Like finding ways to, finding inspiration for ways to host people, to have people over, to bring people into our friend groups, to, to find fun things to do with friends. What if we use social media to encourage us to make real connections with people, not just digital ones? What if we downloaded apps that, that, that lead us to pray for Christians around the world? What if we filled up our playlists with songs that stir our affections for Jesus? What if we listen to podcasts and sermons that, that, that teach us about God and how to love him? See, what if we turned our phone, that thing that tells us daily that we're at the center of the universe, what if we turned it into something that we can use instead to help us center our lives on God? to center our lives on him. What kind of change would that make in your life? What kind of change would it make in your life if your phone was a device that helped you center your life, not on yourself, but on God? The music team comes up. Uh, of course we have to think about how we use our phones, right? We have to think about what we're doing on our phones. But I hope that what you're realizing tonight is that we also have to ask the question, what are our phones doing to us? How are our phones shaping us? See, Jesus affirms the longings that, that drive us to our phones, the, the desire to know and to be known. But he exposes that lie that our phones can, can actually give us what we want, what, what, not just what we want, but what we were created for. Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one that can take that forever empty and replace it with forever hope. Don't you want that? Don't you want the forever empty replaced with forever hope? See, if we're going to live faithfully in the smartphone era, then, then we have to create new habits. We have to create habits that, that help us turn from lesser treasures, habits that help us create space for God, habits that, that subvert the myths that our phone is telling us. Instead of staring down at our phones, Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me to look at him, to turn our eyes from a glowing screen to the majesty of God. To turn our eyes to see his glory, his love, his beauty, his power. How do we live faithfully in the smartphone era? Center your life on Jesus, not your phone. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. 
If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.